Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Talking Addiction Recovery. My name is Andrew Schreier, and it's been a while since I've posted any new episodes. My schedule has been quite busy, as I'm sure everyone's has, and that's really why this episode is really important. With COVID-19 going on, there's been pretty much an upheaval of what our day-to-day normal routine has looked like. Everything from work to school with kids what we do in our free time, and especially with self-quarantine, that's changed everything as well. For some of us, that's been going out significantly less. Uh, For other of us, that's still going to our jobs because of being essential workers. So if I was home more, I'd probably be doing a lot more episodes, but still going in quite often makes it a little bit more difficult. But I found this to be really important to talk about because it's an issue of scheduling has been really beneficial to some people for dealing with this COVID. And I've learned so much about scheduling when it comes to a resource for uh, clients and patients I work with when it comes to their recovery from addiction. So I want you to think for a moment, what comes to mind when you think of having a schedule? It seems as if people are either all for it and say, yeah, I need a schedule and routine helps me focus, I stay organized, I don't know what I would do without one. On the other hand, some people appear to be like the exact opposite and say I can't stand being on a schedule and sticking with routines. I want to be able to do things you know, when I want to, my way, and I don't like being stuck to, you know, committed to doing certain things in, in that routine. So Hopefully, by the end of this episode, you can find a place within those two sides of the spectrum where you can see the benefits of having some kind of schedule that's filled with structure and routine and maybe learn to add a little bit to your life in order to enhance your recovery, if that's what we're talking about, or trying to manage things with COVID-19 right now. And the reason I thought of doing this topic right now is because of the current COVID-19 issues and how that has completely changed our day-to-day functioning. Everything from waking up in the morning, going to work or school, taking care of kids, some of the places we used to go, and so on and so forth. It's Our calendars have been erased in a way. And I was supposed to have a pretty busy March through May. I was supposed to speak at two days at a statewide gambling conference here in Wisconsin. I had a trip planned for Spain in April. In May, I was supposed to be a part of my cousin's wedding. I was going to fly out to San Diego for a graduation and then come home and do a joint presentation on stigmas towards medicated-assisted treatment. So I was preparing to have quite a busy couple of months, and then all of a sudden, all of that was erased. Uh, The events were canceled or changed, so it was pretty much like taking my calendar or whiteboard and just erasing everything because of the issues we've had to deal with COVID-19. But now, after everything was canceled, you know, places started closing, social distancing, uh, certain orders being taken, you know, to stay at home, being under self-quarantine, like, introduces a new challenge now. So being home for a day or two may not have been as difficult, but as the days continue to grow, it's easy to start losing track of days, getting tired of some of the same old things, we've been trying to do to keep ourselves occupied. And I would imagine at times thinking like, I don't know what else to do. You know, I'm running out of things to try. So the idea behind connecting these two 
issues of COVID-19 and recovery is that they can both benefit from the use of scheduling. And it's a really important tool when it comes to my work with people in addiction. So this is a page I'm going to use when it comes to treatment for addiction and apply it to another issue like COVID-19 and how we can use it to help cope. So if you're someone who is struggling with addiction or even another mental health issue, or you're having a difficult time with coping with social distancing and self-quarantining, I'm hoping this will be beneficial to you. So the big question is, why is scheduling so important? And one thing I we have to realize is the experience that COVID-19 is teaching us is there are some things that do not care about our schedules. And d- disease is a good example of that, unfortunately. This is something we learn a lot from when it comes to addiction is the addiction does not care about a schedule. So when someone has an addiction, when it comes down to responsibilities, priorities and all that, the addiction doesn't really care for that. It doesn't want that. The only thing the addiction wants is whatever's going to keep fueling it, using it, getting it. If your schedule plays a part in helping the con- the addiction to continue, it's going to be okay with that it's gonna like that it's gonna enjoy that like some people have routine of when it comes to using their drugs again their drugs and it loves that but if it's anything else and it might get in the way of using addiction does not care you know addiction is not gonna say to someone okay well go to work and when you're done with work then i'll kick in the cravings and the urges and the withdrawal symptoms absolutely not once the addiction starts to experience those effects, it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, what your priorities are, what you have on the books as far as planned events. Uh, it doesn't matter. So it's it's important to realize that it doesn't care. The addiction will do what it wants. And we're also seeing that with, with COVID. And earlier I talked about the events I had planned going on. And because of COVID and the restrictions and guidelines, all that was in, entirely erased. And as, as much as I would want to fight it or try and change it or do something about it, nothing was going to do that. They were just completely canceled. So it leads to an important aspect of scheduling, which is we need to be able to adapt to the change in it. Which is when we look at recovery... We look at that maintenance stage when someone has been working a recovery program, they've been maintaining abstinence. We talk about maintenance stage, meaning when things happen or things change, you need to be able to adapt to where you, uh, where those changes may take you. So an example I always used to give is when someone used to have a job and maybe that job decided that it changed. So I, I used to work with Uh, a number of people who had like second shift or first shift jobs, even third shift jobs. And part of it was what would happen if your first shift job went to second shift or what if your second shift went to third shift. And for most people, they had some routine where maybe they went to meetings at night or they went to therapy. And part of it is now that that's changed, how do you adjust doing that? So you loved this Monday night meeting or this Friday night meeting and you went to it all the time. Now that you're working during that, what does that mean? Do you find another meeting or do you just not go to meetings? Another good example would be is let's say someone moved. And when they moved, maybe it would be further like out of state. Then it would be, well, what happens when you go to a new state? What does that change as far as how you are maintaining your recovery? 
So part of that is that maintenance stage. So when we're looking at things right now, some people may have a schedule of going to the gym after work or they go to a meeting, like I talked about on a Friday night. With gyms and meetings closing, those are no longer available. So I'm sure some of you may have been in that routine of going to the gym a certain amount of days. That was really good for you, helped you out, kept you in this schedule, this routine. It was having a lot of benefits for you. And now all of a sudden those doors have closed and now you've been more confined to being at home. That requires adapting to change. So one option is some people say, well, I can't do these anymore and I'll wait till they're available. In which right now, everything with COVID-19 is leaving a lot of uncertainty of when that's going to happen. Or the other option is the need to adjust and adapt by working out at home or in discussion of like a meeting is attend a meeting online, which a lot of them have been doing now. So those two things are really important to realize that with scheduling, there are some things that don't care about your schedule. They'll interfere with it. They'll cancel it. It will do everything that it wants to to change it. And the best way for us to adapt to that is to realize that we need to be willing to change our schedule and create new ones or find different things to do as we adjust to those changes. So big questions are, you know, how important is it? Is it really that beneficial to have a schedule? And there's there's five things that I talk about with scheduling with patients of why it's important. And I'm going to go into a couple of tips for making a schedule and, and some things with that as well. So when we look at it, one of the first important things is that your schedule provides structure. It lays out a path for what your day is going to look like. It prioritizes the things that are important that need to be done. And it kind of creates a picture of what your day is going to be like. So for example, if I got someone who's got nothing down for their schedule and it's going to say, hey, what's what's your day going to look like tomorrow? And it's a big, well, I don't know. I'll see. That's like a big you know, blank canvas, which isn't a bad thing. But if I talk to someone and say, you know, what's your schedule like? And they say, well, I'm going to, I got this going on and this, I'm going to be doing this, you know, a couple of things. I got a better idea of what their day is going to be like. They also have a better idea of what their day is going to be like. So someone who has a schedule has a good idea of like what maybe they're going to do, how it's going to go what it might look like. It's not going to be perfect, but they have a better idea of how their day might look as opposed to someone who's going to play it by ear. The second important thing about scheduling is that a lack of one creates a lot of uncertainty. And uncertainty is one of the driving forces of anxiety. So when you don't have anything planned, you sort of have the we'll see what happens mindset, which is often, in my experience, I haven't seen as beneficial. If you have nothing scheduled or planned for tomorrow or the next day, it can easily become anxiety-provoking, imagining how you're going to get through the entire day without any issues. So all of a sudden it becomes, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, or I don't know how I'm going to get through it. That can provoke a lot of anxiousness, worry, concern. The big thing that we'll kind of talk about with boredom might come up and we all know that's a difficulty with people in recovery and I imagine and that's one of the things I'm hearing now when I'm doing telehealth sessions and over the phone or video in the mental health practice and even with patients who are still 
coming into the clinic and then going home is a lot of people keep identifying I'm starting to get bored now. I'm getting really bored. So a lack of schedule just kind of provokes that anxiety that can be there. The third important thing is having a schedule helps you stay focused on the thinking and not lost on feeling. And that was something I didn't really put together until a while after doing this more and more with patients and clients is when you don't have a schedule, you can easily get lost into that, I don't feel like doing this or I don't know what I feel like doing. That's our emotions pulling more into that in comparison to what like our rational thinking mind might want us to do that could be productive, that could be helpful, that could help us be organized and all that. So when we don't have a schedule, it's easy for the I don't feel like doing or I don't know what I feel like doing to take over. And now we're also dealing with the emotional pull of it, which might make it harder. So when you have something written down and planned, it helps keep it focused on that thinking part. It becomes like a task, something to complete or do. It can help remove some of the emotional barriers and obstacles that get in the way. A third important part of having a schedule is that it can help avoid difficult triggers. When it comes to what people with addiction and what we are experiencing with COVID-19, I just mentioned that boredom is a great example of what I'm hearing from plenty of people. And boredom has always been one of those top triggers for for relapse, but also with just mental health, with even, I would say, you know, loneliness. Boredom can be a big part of that. I, th- I think most people would agree one of the things that they would struggle with is being bored. So when you create a schedule or have something written down, you can plan for those moments. So when it's like 10 p.m. on a Friday or Saturday night and you have nothing planned, it's easy to see how this can be a struggle. You can start to miss out on things. Um, You think about going out or what I would want to do if this COVID wasn't happening. But it's it's taking you away from what you could be doing right now if you were to sit and kind of like schedule something. The more of a struggle it is, the more it's going to take its emotional mental toll on you. So the more the boredom's getting ramped up, the more the anxiety and the uncertainty, feeling lonely. So as all these things are starting to compound and build, it's going to be difficult to all of a sudden find something to do, which is why then people might easily choose to go back to something like using drugs or alcohol, which is what... I deal with a lot with my population of clients and patients I see. The fifth thing of why it's really important to have a schedule is creating a schedule really helps to kind of reclaim some of that control that has been lost. So what I mean by that is there's been a lot of things, like I said, lost because of the COVID-19. I gave the examples that I've experienced And some of the things that have been erased are taken away from you. So it can really give us this extreme amount of loss and helplessness and and feeling like there's nothing I can do or I don't have anything to do. When your schedule is left blank and open, you're almost hoping that something along the way comes and says, well, here, you can do this. And that's not just necessarily going to happen. No one's going to come to you and show up at your doorstep and say, well, here, these are all the fun things you can do. 
you need to take the initiative to reclaim time that you've had and add things in to what's going to help you, what's going to be beneficial, what's going to help you get through this, what's going to help you deal with issues you're facing, whether it's your recovery, whether it's mental health, whether you got kids at home or you don't have your gym anymore to work out, a physical health issue. What are you going to do to help reclaim your time that has been lost or taken from you because of something such as extreme as like COVID-19? So part of the importance of scheduling is that by taking control of your time, you can control what you do as opposed for waiting around and let something else continue have more control. And boredom is another good example with that is the more you wait around and let things continue without having a plan or structure, all of a sudden boredom's going to start to have a lot more power. Boredom's going to ramp up. Boredom's going to keep talking to you. It's going to keep prying at your emotions. It's going to give it more and more fuel for the boredom to have more and more control and power. So those are five important things as far as why a schedule is really valuable and beneficial. So remember, one, your schedule provides structure. Two, a lack of schedule creates a lot of uncertainty. Three, helps stay focused on thinking and not lost on the feeling. Four, helps avoid difficult triggers. And five, it helps reclaim your time. So now that I'm talking to you about some of the benefits or like the key benefits of having a schedule, I'm going to talk to you about five of my biggest tips. And this is normally how I would break this down when I'm working with anyone on doing a schedule. And the biggest one is write it down. And that's one of the biggest questions is, is do you do you have to write it down? And do you have to? No. But in my experience, you are more likely to follow a schedule if it is written down somewhere, whether it be on your phone, piece of paper, whiteboard, whatever it is. It's the things you say in your mind like, oh, well, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. It can be easily revised or forgotten. I mean, how many times have you been like, yeah, well, I'm going to do this tomorrow. And yeah, I think I'm going to take care of that and do that. And then all of a sudden tomorrow comes and nothing, none of that was completed or accomplished. And part of it was because you kept it in your brain and didn't write it down. And I almost strongly guarantee that what happens is that emotional part comes in and it's easier to forget it or I don't feel like doing it and look what happens. But writing it down helps keep it in that rational part of your brain instead of going back to what you feel like, which is one of the things that was important about. So a really good example of this is when I was working in a group uh, residential treatment, we would always talk about scheduling when people were leaving treatment because in treatment, residential, it is extremely crammed with all the stuff you can think of from when someone wakes up to eating breakfast to doing meditation to when our group starting individual sessions what do you do in the afternoon what time is bed their schedules are written out for the person and one of the biggest differences is people leave residential treatment which is highly structured and then they go back home which is not the same 
And we see that in other settings too, like incarceration. When people are incarcerated, they get used to developing some kind of schedule routine that's there for them. Now all of a sudden when they leave, it's nothing like that. That's not how it is. One of the things that I used to teach was before people would get out is what is your schedule going to start to look like? I always would tell people, hey, your last week you're here, you know, the last week or two you're here when you're about to leave. I want you to start waking up every day and imagining you waking up at home. And now what are you going to do when it's Friday night and you're just hanging around the house with all the other residents in treatment? What's that going to be like on a Friday night when you're back home? When you have more freedoms, when you can just walk out and and go do what you want. So what we would do is we would get poster board. I used to get poster board and have people create a Monday through Friday schedule. Sorry, a Sunday through Saturday schedule and have people literally write down what their schedule would look like. So that would be the assignment for like week one. So everyone. Take some time, write out what would you like to have on your schedule. Maybe if you're looking for a job, uh, what kind of job you're looking for, maybe schedulize, put that in. What else are you going to do? So we would have everyone do their schedule and come back. And then in group, this would probably take a day or two, a couple days. We would put up the schedules on the wall and we would have the group kind of analyze it. So the first question is, what do we like on here? And people would say, well, he's got some work up there. That's good. He's got a couple meetings, two or three nights a week. I see he's got time for family on there. So like we would look at some things and we would ask for some feedback. And we would first look at what's what's good on there. My second question would be is what's concerning to you or what area would addiction maybe try and get back in that person's life, which is a very great question to ask and sure enough people would say like well you know saturday is really blank like saturday does not have a lot of stuff on there i'm not sure um what that what that's gonna do if that's just blank like that all the time or someone would say you know well you know i only see a meeting on there once or maybe they would say You know, I don't know what they're going to do in the morning. I don't see anything about this. So we would ask people for feedback on things that were concerning. And either way, it was an amazing exercise to do. And writing down, we couldn't do that if it wasn't written down. You know, if we just had someone say, oh, well, tell us about your schedule. Well, I'm going to work. I'm going to do this. But what does that look like? How does that appear? What's that going to be like? So writing it down is really, really valuable. So it's always my recommendation that someone writes it down. Another example of what I would do is I would have someone write down a schedule for what they were going to do and then for a week go through and actually highlight the things you've done and cross off the things that you didn't do. So if I had someone who's going to say, well, I'm going to read for an hour every day, then they come back and reading got crossed off every day. I was like, well, what? You put down reading, but you didn't do it. I wonder what else did you do at that time? What did you do? And there was a lot of good discussion on that. So it's really beneficial to actually write it down. 
The second tip for creating a schedule is don't underestimate the power of small things for routine. They can be really beneficial when we're struggling a lot with having a schedule and trying to get through things like we're talking about now with the COVID-19 and with things like your recovery. The two examples I can give best, and I've talked about this before, is the daily meditation that I read for help for the helper helpers. I read that every morning I go to work. It's a really good routine. I can tell on days when I don't read it that it can have its effect and maybe I'm more drained. Maybe I'm not as focused or positive. And I do know that one of the things we used to do in residential was we used to wake up every morning, everyone would have their breakfast and we would read a meditation and we'd have a couple people share what that meditation thought and it would help, you know, get the day going. It, it The day was more of on a positive. They had something to focus on. You can bet there'd be times where something would come up and I would be like, hey, remember what that meditation said this morning? Let's let's talk about applying that. My best story, though, is this guy who had a routine. And when he was in residential, he would wake up every morning at about you know 6, 6.30 a.m. And he would shoot 50 free throws uh, with the basketball hoop in the driveway every morning and I would used to get in a couple days like three or four days a week I would get in like at 6 30 ish and I would see him doing it and he did this every day every day every day you can imagine for some people (laughs) some of the residents didn't like to hear basketball bounce that early in the morning but it was about a couple days that he was about to be released and I pull in and there he is again shooting free throws shooting free throws shooting free throws and i walk up to him and he goes you know i'm gonna miss this and i said well miss what he goes shooting these free throws i'm like how come and he goes well you know it's i wake up every morning i come out here i get some quiet time i'm shooting free throws so i get i get going and moving you know i don't feel as anxious and angry about stuff my mind's a lot more clear and i also feel like i and working towards something, you know, I've, I've gotten better as I've done this, which makes sense. And I, I told him, I go, I understand why you enjoy doing it. It's beneficial, but how come you're, you know, looking at this as it has to stop? Like you're going to miss it. Why are you missing it? I said, yeah, basketball hoop at home. He goes, yeah. And I go, why, why change that? Why can't you go home and, shoot free throws every morning like you do now and i said you may have to adjust it you know maybe if you work really early you might have to do it later but why can't you add that to your routine when you leave here if you're doing it just to buy time i understand that but if it's helping you out and it's doing something for you continue to do that with you take that with you and i kid you not i saw him months later and I ran into him and he approached me you know and he wanted to say hi to me and he tells me he ended up going back to jail he said he got home and didn't take very long he couldn't find a job right away some things were happening at home and he started using again and I remember asking him I was like I I got a question 
that I'm just curious about. I said, "What whatever happened with the free throws?" And he he goes, "I I never did that when I got home." Now, I'm not saying that that was like a make it or break it for his recovery or for maintaining sobriety, but I really strongly believe that if he would have done that, it there's a good chance it would have helped him with some of the things he was dealing with. So when we talked about anger and anxiety and we talked about feeling good about himself, when he was struggling to find a job, I imagine that could have helped him a little bit. Maybe even just continue to last a little bit longer until he found that job or until he could reach out to a resource. But he stopped doing that. And I always share that example with people about how don't underestimate the power of small little things in our routine. My third tip is add in some new hobbies, activities, and interests because, you know, how often do you get caught doing some of the same old things? I know right now with the COVID-19, one of the first questions people ask with getting through the quarantine is like, what streaming series are you watching now? What are you binging now? And it's funny sometimes because when people ask that, some of the, the people who ask are the are people who are watching streaming services even before quarantine. So they were watching Netflix before, and now they're just watching more of it. So there's really nothing wrong with having a streaming service or watching something that we all know we get caught into. But at the end, we can find ourselves feeling lazy, unmotivated. We could feel further fatigued. So it's important that sometimes you try and start doing something that could add in a little bit more value. If you are feeling less motivated, you might want to find something that could increase your motivation, like reading or listening to a podcast. If you're starting to feeling a little bit, you know, like dull and things aren't changing or doing much, you might want to add something that might bump into like creativity or art or exercising. If you are feeling like you're missing some connection with certain people or things you might want to look at how can I connect with people whether that be through like um, a phone call or some kind of video service and even doing that not just the usual like check-in how are you doing but maybe playing a game together or going through a series of questions uh, would be beneficial the fourth helpful tip is to look at times in your schedule where you struggle you know is it in the morning is it late at night what is it that you struggle with the most after identifying those times find things to put in your schedule to help with that so when you look at things where it's like i have a really hard time getting up and doing something or if you look at at nighttime i have a really difficult time or just in the afternoon maybe you're hitting like a little wall when you look at having some difficult times you're struggling find things to put into that add into those little things so sometimes for example when i would have someone talk about at night they have a hard time falling asleep and in residential we had like a strict you had to be in bed by a certain time and they would sit in bed and kind of toss and turn you i would say well maybe add in like a sleeping meditation or maybe add reading at night or even like exercising doing some simple push-ups or sit-ups to add to your routine that might help you kind of fall asleep or get into that being tired. So that's an important tip is to look at difficult times that you have. 
the fifth important tip that I'm going to tell you is create your own schedule before something else kind of does that for you. So when people I've counseled over the years talked about hating being on a schedule, they were often ones who put themselves in positions where other people were creating schedules for them. So I saw this a lot with clients who were on probation and when they weren't creating things to do for themselves, sure enough, their probation officer was going to do that for them. In residential and in, in treatment, when people's schedules were basically focused on using, getting the drugs, dealing with the effects of it, dealing with the fallout from it, and then all of a sudden there wasn't anything in that schedule, then yeah, as treatment providers, we would be working on creating things for them. So whether it was like incarceration, probation, parole, treatment, there were choices that people made that resulted in someone else needing to provide structure and routine for them. So the more you leave an open schedule, it gives other people or other issues and forces to play a role in what's going to happen. And a really good example I, I have is working with families. And just a couple of weeks ago, I had a family who they're talking about being at home and under COVID and with school and um, the parents weren't working anymore. And they wanted the, the kids to have some structure. And I remember I was on the session telling the kids, hey, write down some things you guys want to do. Put them down, write them in, be realistic, you know, put some things down that you know you need to do like school or with chores. If you add some things in that you might want to do for fun, add some things in for yourself, add some things in with the family, but just throw a couple of things down on a piece of paper as far as what you want to do for a schedule. So a week goes by, and I check up on them. Well, how's how's the thing with the scheduling going? And the parents were frustrated because the schedule they created wasn't working and, and the, the children weren't wanting to follow it. So I asked the kids, well, what did you guys write down? And I got crickets where they didn't write down anything. So I said, well, how come? Like, why don't you guys write anything down? And they didn't really have a good answer. They They thought... At first, they thought their parents weren't going to want them to do it. And I said, well, let's all talk right here. Parents, if they write some stuff down, would you at least be able to be willing to take a look at it and see if you're okay with those things? You know, barring anything that's going to be like pretty harmful or bad or neglectful of their responsibilities. And they said, yeah, there's no there's no problem with that. We would actually appreciate that. So I went back to the kids and I said, look, here's what's going to happen. If you have a blank piece of paper and you say, this is my schedule, right there you're putting your parents in position to then fill that schedule for you. So then they are going to fill it with things that they think you're going to need to do or should do or what's going to keep you busy or occupied. So by not doing it, you give them that opportunity to fill more. I said, if you fill it with half, at least... They can look at it and if they agree with it, say, yeah, this sounds good to me. And there you go. You have your schedule. If you don't, it's just going to give them more opportunity to do that in which most parents and, like I said, 
probation officers, treatment facilities, all that. It's going to do that because there's always a concern of what will happen to someone who's got addiction issues, mental health issues, what's going to happen if this person continues to have a lack of structure and schedule. So just to review, the five tips for creating a schedule is write it down. Don't underestimate the power of small routine. Add in new hobbies, activities, and interests. Identify difficult times and put in there some things that might help with that. And one of the most important ones of all is create your own schedule before some external one does for you. So during this COVID-19 and in relation to things that happen with addiction and mental health, our schedules can be just completely flipped upside down, erased, changed. And the biggest thing we have to be able to do is adapt to that. And one of the ways that we can adapt to that is to create a schedule for ourselves by using some of these important tips and reminders. So my best recommendation is sit down, start working on a schedule, and you'll notice that it will probably help you cope through this. Hope you learned something. Talk to you next time.